The following audio is from LifePoint Church, located in O'Fallon, Missouri. For more information about LifePoint Church, visit us online at thelifepointconnection.com. Well, at this time, the kids can go ahead and be dismissed to their classrooms. And uh, if you have Bibles, go ahead and grab those. And uh, we're going to be in Romans chapter 12 today. All right. Well, uh, we've been, uh, over the last few weeks, going through this series entitled, You Belong Here. And in the first week of the series, basically, we talked about the understanding that, that God has wired us. He intrinsically put in us this desire to belong. Like there's something that, that goes on within the hearts of every man and every woman and every child, every person, no matter the culture, no matter the people group, no matter where you come from or where you grew up, no matter what country you're in or what language you speak, statistically, every person on the planet has this desire to belong. In the first week of the series, we really talked about how God created you to belong. Everyone say that. Say, God created me to belong. He did. He, he, he wired you in order to be connected. And so last week we learned that we find that belonging when we come to faith in Jesus Christ. You see, when we come to faith in Jesus, it means that we're a part of God's family. And, and so we learned that God's family is actually called the church. And so when you come to faith in Jesus, you find a true identity that you didn't have before. The Bible says that, that he makes you a new creation. Romans 1.6, it says that, that God called you, Jesus calls you to belong to him. And so in Jesus, we find our true identity. And in the church, that's God's family. And last week, we really talked about how when we come to faith in Jesus and we find this true identity and we start to connect with God's family, then we find the stability or the support that we need as God's temple. That's one of the metaphors that the Bible uses for his church or his family is a temple. And we learn that as we find our true identity and we start to connect into God's family, all of a sudden we start to find the support that we need for our life. And now today, we're going to look at another metaphor that the Bible uses for God's family, and that's one of a body. Many people have heard or referred to the church as Christ's body, and so today we're going to really look at what that means, because in Christ's body, what happens is you begin to discover your unique value. In Christ's body, you begin to discover your unique capacity, really what you and I were ultimately created for. So we come to Christ and we find belonging, we find true identity, we find the support we need, and we find the value that we're looking for. Now in Romans chapter 12, it's 12 chapters into the book of Romans, and for 11 chapters, Paul has been sharing with us the gospel. And so I want you to imagine for 11 chapters, Paul has been saying, okay, Israel and the Gentiles, both the religious and the irreligious, both of them have come together as one body in Christ through faith. So there's no longer a separation between you and God. He says there is in Jesus Christ like a a reconciliation that occurs between sinners and a holy God. You see, the Bible, it talks about how you and I, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. We've all done things, said things, thought things that are outside of God's glory. And because of that, and because God is holy and just, because of that, we are under wrath and condemnation without Jesus Christ. 
And so apart from Jesus, the Bible says that we are dead in our sins and trespasses. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, he sent Jesus Christ to live perfectly, to die in our place for our sin. And through faith in him, now it's possible to be seen by God as holy, as righteous, as just, as without spot or blemish, that we are seen in Christ perfect before God. So we put our trust in Christ, and Romans 8 says now, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Jesus. Listen, that's good news. That's good news because apart from Christ, we're condemned, but in Christ, we are no longer condemned. So the question is that you and I should be asking ourselves, if that's true, are you in Christ? Are are you in Christ? Now, I'm not asking you if you go to church. And I'm not asking you if you do religion really well. I'm not even asking you for a good boy or a good girl. I'm asking you the question really personally, are you in Christ? Would you say without a doubt, I am in Jesus Christ? Now, if you've trusted the finished work of Jesus Christ alone for your right standing before God, the Bible would say you're in Christ. Have you trusted that through faith? So for 11 chapters, he begins to talk to us about being in Christ through faith. But but in chapter 12, he starts to give us some application for our lives, for those who are in Christ. Chapter 12, verse 1, he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, he says, I want to appeal to you, therefore, brothers, because I just explained something to you. So because of what I just explained to you, I want to appeal to you something. And he calls you brothers. That means you're in the family, right? And so right before this, in chapter 11, he says, he says, all of this in the family, all of this connected to God, it comes from Christ. It comes through Christ it, because it's for Christ. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. That's how chapter 11 ends. He says, therefore, because everything comes from Christ, everything goes through Christ, and everything is for the glory of Jesus, therefore, brothers... I want you to understand the mercies of God. Everyone say mercies of God. He says, present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you that you should not think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Now, in the beginning of this this chapter, he he says, I want you to to be transformed. Listen, the Christian life is built on the mercies of God. Of God. Everyone say, Lord have, mercy. Lord have mercy. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. You guys ever watch Full House? Right? Isn't there a, a, a girl or a kid in there that's like, Lord, or oh, mercy, have mercy. Who, who says that? That's coming to my mind. Uncle Jesse says that, right? Have mercy, right? And, and so listen, your Christian walk, your Christian life, your, your walk with Jesus is based on his mercy. You've got to get that. 
It's based on his mercy. So we're not a people that are trying to earn favor before God. We are people that are stunned by the fact that God would show us favor. Are you with me on that? We're not trying to earn something from God. We're not trying to, trying to earn God's favor by living a merciful life, but instead we're able to live a merciful life because we've been shown great mercy. We are out of our minds, open to understanding, God, why would you show mercy to me? That is undeserved, unmerited, un, unshown. Somehow I did not do anything on my own to earn favor before God. And since he shows his grace and his mercy, that is what overwhelms me. Because this grace and the mercy of Christ, it changes me, doesn't it? I hope it does you. Understanding the mercies of Christ, doesn't that start to transform the way that you think? That that you didn't deserve this, this, this salvation before a holy God, that he just simply showed mercy on you? Doesn't that transform the way that you live, the way that you act, the way that you talk, the way that you live toward others? Allows us to be a little more merciful. You see, the Bible calls that transformation worship. When you start to be transformed by the mercies of God, the Bible says that is your worship. And now Paul's going to talk about these relationships, particularly with others. Look in verse 4. He says, for as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ. Everyone say, in Christ. We are in Christ and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Now, the first thing that we need to see is that unity within the body of Christ is created in Christ. Okay, let me say that again. If you're taking notes, you can write this one down. The unity that comes in the body of Christ is created by Christ. And so here's the deal. Maybe the most important phrase in this entire section is that little two words says, in Christ. In Christ. Listen, this will only shake you to the core. This will only carry weight with you if you understand what it means to be in Christ. Do you understand what it means to be in Christ? I think the best way to help you understand this is to think of when, when you think about in Christ is to think about your relationship to Christ. And, and so if I were to ask you right now, What's your relationship to Christ like? How's your relationship with Christ? Now, everyone knows if you've been a Christian longer than a day, you know that there's highs and lows in that relationship. Someone say amen with that, right? There, listen, your relationship, your status, your, listen, your relationship status doesn't change over time. It's just sometimes I feel it and sometimes I don't, Amen. And so it's not like I'm further away from Christ than I was from the beginning because when I put my faith in Christ, it says that I'm in Christ and he's in me. Some days I feel it and some days I don't. But let me ask you, are you in Christ? How is your relationship with Christ? When you think of your relationship with Christ, let me ask you this, is it personal? Is it a personal relationship with Christ? Or is your relationship with Jesus maybe 
I don't know how else to put it, secondary. Meaning your personal relationship with Christ is not there, but your relationship to Christ is just simply through those who you hang around with. Or is your relationship with Christ not existent? And you would say, Eric, you know what? Honestly, I don't really have a relationship with Jesus. I don't have a relationship. Now, if you're here today and you would say, you know what? I don't have a relationship with Jesus. Let me just be honest with you. Today's your day. Today, you can start your relationship with Jesus because John chapter 6, verse 37 says, whoever shall come to me, I will never cast out. That's a beautiful verse to stand on. Whoever will come to me. That word, whoever, that simply means no matter who. Are you with me on that? No matter who, no matter what, no matter where, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been or where you come from, no matter who you are, he will receive a repentant heart. That's a beautiful thing about the gospel. No matter what you've done, the Bible says that he is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins. No matter where you come from, it says that Jesus will make you his very own, that he will adopt you into his family through faith, make you a son, make you a daughter, make you an heir to the throne, no matter where you've come from. Some of you right now, you're thinking, Eric, you, honestly, you don't even know me. You don't know where I've been. You don't know where I've come from. You don't even know what I've done. You don't know the thoughts that I've had or the things that I've done or the places I've been. You, you don't know me, so I don't know how you can actually say that. You're right. First of all, I don't know you. I don't know everything about you, right? But God does, and I'm not the one who said it. He is. He's the one who said, whoever shall come to me. He's the one who says, it doesn't matter who you are. Come to me, I will not cast you out. Listen, it, no matter what you've said, no word that you've ever said, no action you've ever done, no, ever, no thought that you've ever thought is more powerful than the grace and the mercies of Jesus Christ and the blood of his cross. No matter what, he will receive you. And so today, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, let me encourage you that he is inviting you right now to come to him. He is inviting you to take hold of his grace and his mercy for your life. Now, maybe you're here and you would say, you know what? Maybe, maybe you have a secondary relationship with Jesus. This is, this is the relationship where you would say you believe in Jesus. You believe that he exists. And you, you probably even believe the claim that he's the Messiah or God in the flesh. However, I would tell you that you're on the right track. I mean, that's the foundations to that. But I would say that even James 2.19 says the demons believe that. The demons believe that he's God in the flesh. The demons believe that he's... The demons know exactly who he is. So that's not necessarily saving faith. That's not a personal relationship with Jesus. And so many of you, your relationship may be secondary. Meaning, when it comes to talking to Jesus, when it comes to listening to Jesus... When it comes to following Jesus, you don't really rely on your personal relationship with Jesus. What you do is, is you just trust someone else's relationship for you. And so your walk with Jesus just simply comes through what other people think about Jesus or other people's experience with Jesus or other people's prayer times with Jesus or other people's time in the word with Jesus. And so you don't really pray or talk to God, but you do have people pray and talk to God for you. 
You, 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 don't, you don't really study his word, and you don't ask God to speak to you through it, but rather, you just simply listen to other people talk about his word. And so that is a secondary, that is an indirect relationship with Jesus. Your relationship with Jesus is not direct, but rather it just comes through the people you hang around. You follow me with that? And so, listen, the point I want to tell you that if your relationship to Jesus Christ is like that, I love you enough to tell you that you're not in Christ. You don't have a relationship with Jesus. They do. You're not walking in Christ. They are. But I want to tell you that there's good news for you today, that you can come to Jesus and start your personal relationship with him. You know, 1 Timothy 2.5, it says that there is one God, and one mediator between God and men, and that's who? Jesus. Jesus. One God, one mediator between God and men, and that's Jesus, which means I can't be your mediator. I can't stand in the gap between you and God. I can pray for you all day long. I can encourage you all day long. I can share all that I know about my experience and my walk with Jesus all day long, but I'm not your mediator. You with me? And so your godparents can't be your mediator. Your parents can't be your mediator, right? Your friends, your circle, your church cannot be your mediator. There's one person that stands in the gap between you and God, and that's Jesus. And the question is, do you have a personal relationship with him? Do you? If you're here and you would say, you know what? I think my relationship with Jesus is actually more based on others rather than directly with God. Then I want to tell you, today's your day. Whoever shall come to Jesus, he will never cast out. Maybe you need to pray for the first time. Maybe you need to speak to him with your own voice for the very first time. Maybe you need to submit yourself to Christ for the very first time through faith. Listen, today is your day. Jesus is inviting you to come. Now, if you have what I would call a personal relationship with Jesus, meaning you talk to him, you listen to him, he speaks to you through his word, you thank Jesus, you praise Jesus for who he is and what he's done, you love Jesus, you admire Jesus, you follow Jesus, you enjoy Jesus, right? Listen, some days higher than the other, but there is the fruit of I enjoy, I have this relationship with Christ. You with me on that? If that's you, then the Bible's going to say that those are fruits, those are behaviors, those, that is a display of someone who is in Christ. And as you walk that way in Christ, it begins to transform the way that you think. It begins to transform your heart, which begins to transform your actions. When you are in Jesus, you belong to Jesus. And listen to me, that is breathtaking. When you understand the fact that you belong to Jesus, right? like Jesus is in you and you are in Christ, I mean... I don't know about you, but that, that doesn't get old for me, right? That, that truth, that, I, I pray that that truth will actually touch your core, touch your heart, that you are in Jesus and Jesus is in you. Listen, when you realize that your relationship between you and Christ has been established by his mercies and by his grace for you, then you realize that everything that can be shared with you in Christ will be shared with you. Let me say that again. When you're in Christ, that means everything that can be shared with you in Christ will be shared with you in Christ. 
Now that's tremendous. That's deeper than you ever know and wider than you can ever understand. Uh, And I say can be, anything that can be shared with you will be shared with you because there's one thing ultimately that Jesus doesn't share with you as his son or daughter. That's his deity, right? You with me on that? Like when you become in Christ, you don't become God, right? You you, you don't all of a sudden become all-knowing. You don't become eternal, meaning you still had a beginning, right? Jesus has always been. You, you You can't be everywhere at once. You with me on that? So So the one thing that Jesus doesn't share with you in Christ is his godness. But listen to me, everything else in Christ is yours. That's profound. That's powerful. And that will start to transform the way that you think if you just simply think about that. I mean, just looking at the New Testament, 1 Corinthians Chapter 1, verse 4, it says, in Christ, we receive grace. We receive grace when we're in Christ. Romans 3, it says that our redemption is in Christ. Galatians 3, it says, I'm sorry, Galatians 2, it says that we are justified in Christ. Ephesians 4, 32, it says we have forgiveness of our sins in Christ. Romans 8 says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, it says that we are new creation in Christ, which means it's not just the same you trying harder, doing better, all of a sudden going to church now. It's a new you. I mean, there's something new that transforms inside of you. You're a new creation. Romans 6, 23, it says that we have now eternal life in Jesus Christ. He says it's yours. Eternal life is yours. Philippians 4, it says that God supplies all of our needs in Christ. Ephesians 1, 3, it says we have every spiritual blessing in Christ. Colossians 1, 28, it says that we are presented to God as perfect in Jesus Christ. Has anyone ever said to you, you are perfect? I don't feel perfect. I know I don't act perfect. I know I don't have perfect thoughts, right? But because I'm in Christ and he's in me, when God looks upon me, he sees me covered by the blood of Jesus and says, no, 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 that is perfect. He sees you as perfect. Romans 8.32, it says that we can't be separated from the love of God for those who are in Christ. Which, listen, listen, that means that no matter who you are, where you've come from, what you've done, listen, when you come to faith in Jesus and he grabs you and makes you his own, that nothing can separate you from that. Like you can't somehow wiggle out of his hands. Like nothing will make God love you less when you're in Christ. That's a beautiful statement. Now, I could take those, those verses out and, and give you 25 more of the depths of what it means to be in Christ. But listen, here's the main point as it pertains to Romans 12. Are you with me? Is that all of those blessings that can be given to you in Christ are given to you in Christ. And Romans 12 says that we experience all of those in Christ together as one body. So we, though many, verse 5, it says, are one body in Christ. Let me tell you what that means, that we're redeemed together. We're justified 
together. We're forgiven together. We're created new together. That every need met together. That our love, we're loved by God together. That we're perfected together. That we're living forever together in Him, in Christ, for Christ, for the glory of Christ. We are in Christ together. Listen to me. If you have a personal relationship with Jesus, we are therefore in a relationship with each other. There's no escaping that. If you're in a personal relationship with Jesus, that means you ought to be in a personal relationship with his body. If you're taking notes, write this one down. When Jesus creates our relationship with him, he also creates our relationship within the body. There's no separation. In Christ means in the body. Now, now listen to me. Let us never minimize the church. God gives us the church. God grows us through the church. God shows us that we belong through the church. Jesus died for the church. Let us not think, oh, it's just church. Oh, it's just a group of people. Oh, it's not a big deal. Oh, the church. Listen, the church is a big deal. It costs God his only son. He purchased it. He ransomed it. He brought it to himself. It costs God everything, the church. And it says when we're redeemed, when we're in faith, when we're in relationship with Christ, that puts us in relationship with each other. What you share with the person sitting near you, what you share with the church is a life and an inheritance and a union. Listen, do you realize you're sharing your inheritance with your brothers and sisters that are in Christ? That your union with Christ is a union with each other. And listen, if you really think about that, that union with each other, that begins to drive your purpose for life, for this life. Your union, your relationship within the church, that begins to drive your purpose for life. Look in verse 5 again. It says, So we, though many, are one body in Christ. Now look at what it says next. And individually members one of another. Now, Now write this down. Our individual value is discovered and experienced, listen, in our relationship within the body of Christ. Your your unique value is discovered and experienced in your relationship within the body of Christ. Think about that. Individually, members one of another, members, like parts like, like one another, like you belong to each other. Paul's saying, he's like, I need you to understand this. I'm a part of you. He's saying, you're, you're a part of me. It's like you're the hands on the feet. You're, you're the eyes. You're the ears. You're, 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 the, right. you're a part of us. Each individual is part of the other individual parts of the body. Now listen, don't leave here and miss this amazing truth for your life. Your God-given individual value cannot be known except in serving the body of Christ. Your individual value 
cannot be known except for serving in the body of Christ as you rely on Jesus. You, you with me on that? And so your value and your discovering your value and your place cannot be made known to you outside serving the body. That's what eyes do. Hands, feet do. They serve the body as a whole. You, you, you can't experience your individual value except in serving the body of Christ. Your unique God-given capacity cannot be known except, listen to me, in serving others. Now listen, this is not a plea for me to help you, have you volunteer in one of the ministries. We're not going to stand up here and say, oh, we need more volunteers. No, you need to volunteer. You with me? You need to serve. You need to get involved. You need to ask God, how would you use me within this body? Because I will never experience the value that you have for me outside of serving the body. It won't happen. That's how he created you. That's why he saved you. Right? And so verse 6, he says God gives us gifts to serve. Having gifts that differ. What does that word mean? Different, right? That's, not, that's a no-brainer, right? You're, you're going to have gifts that look different from one another. They're going to be variety. It's a variety pack. I love those things, right? Those bags of chips, a 50 bag of chips. You got all these different varieties. I love variety. We love variety. That's why we love Taco Bell. <laughs> Having gifts that differ, listen to this, according to the grace that's given to us. That means that your uniqueness is given to you by his grace. That you are you because of God's grace. God's gifted you and wired you because of grace. Listen, some of you are like, well, I don't like who God made me. I don't like I don't like the person. I, 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 some of you, you, you spend your life looking at others saying, I wish I was more like him. I, I wish I had his gift. I wish I had that talent. I wish I looked like her. I wish I acted like her. I wish I could do that like her. I wish I could do that like them because me, my gift, and my, 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 my personality is too insignificant. God's saying, no, no, no. That is a display of my grace. That's a display of my grace. Listen, you are you because of God's grace. Now, you may not think so. You may not like who God made you, but he made you that way for the sake of the body, that you're uniquely you because he wants to use you within the body. Are you with me on that? Listen, some of you think, man, I have nothing to bring to the table. I really don't have, I, I can't speak like him. I can't think like, I can't do that like him. Listen, you, you may be thinking that God is playing some cruel joke on you. Man, I, I just don't have, listen, I, I don't think that what you're going through is a self-esteem issue. Ultimately what it is, listen to me, it's a God esteem issue. Meaning you don't believe that God is powerful enough to use you as you. It's a God esteem issue because the question is really, do you trust him? 
Do you trust the fact that the Bible says that he didn't make a mistake when he made you? That he didn't, he didn't, he didn't wire you differently just so that you can sit there and, and have, have some self-esteem issue. No, no, he wired you differently because he knew he was going to need you and want you to belong to his body. He wanted to use you in that way. The question is, listen, can you trust God? Can you trust him? Do you believe that who you are is a work of God's grace? Who you are is a display of God's grace. That your individuality is because of the grace of God. Do you know what grace is? It's a gift. You're a gift that's given to the body for building up the body for displaying Jesus through the body into the world. Do you, do you understand the truth of the Bible when it says you are a gift to the church? Receive that truth. Receive that word that you are a gift of grace to the church. Of course, we're all different. That's how God designed it. God loves the variety pack of his body. He really does. We're all made unique. Listen, we don't look like each other. We don't smell like each other. I don't know if that's good or bad for you, but that's true. Right? You don't have the same gifts. They differ from one another. But every one of you uniquely made to make the body complete. Do you realize that when you're in the body, you find and experience your value and your purpose for life? That's what God is doing. All working together to make Jesus known. Listen, when you come to faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you find true identity. When you find your true identity in Christ, you become part of God's family. That's called the church. When you connect with the church, you find the stability you need for life. And as you find the stability you need for life, you join the body. And when you're in the body, you find your value. In order to fulfill your purpose in life, you need to belong to Christ's body. Without the body of Christ, you cannot be who God made you to be. It's why I can confidently say to you, whether this is your first time here or you've been here for years, you belong here. You belong within the body of Christ. Will you pray with me? As the band comes, why don't you stand up where we are? Let us begin to ask God to move challenge us, to stretch us. I hope you pray that often. Right where you're at, will you just simply, physically, I'm asking you, just, just maybe, maybe hold your hands out or just, just, just put yourself in a position of openness maybe before God or, or maybe come with a, with, a, uh, with a heart that says, I, I want to I open myself up. I want to give to you today, God. Right where you're at, all over the room. Just simply open your heart, open your hands, and just say, God, let me hear you. God, let me feel you. God, let me, let me know you're near right now. Right where you're at, all over the room, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to ask you, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? It's something only you can answer. 
Listen, if you're here today and you'd say, you know what? My relationship with Jesus is not personal. Then I want to encourage you right now, right where you're at, as you open yourself up to God, that you would just simply confess that to him. That you would confess that you need him. That you want him. That you want to start a personal relationship with him. I want you to ask him right now, right where you're at, to forgive you. And listen to his voice of forgiveness and his grace and his mercy for you. Let you hear his voice say the cross was enough for you. My grace is sufficient for you. My mercy is extended to you. Right where you are, would you just simply pray? Start your personal relationship with Jesus right now, right where you are. and I can't do that for you right now, right where you are. Just pray. If you're here today and you'd say, you know what, I, I, I do have a personal relationship with Jesus and I need to be reminded today that nothing can separate me from that. No matter how I feel, no matter what action I failed in or, or whatever, Lord, just right now, would you just tell him to remind you to bring to your thoughts, to bring to your heart what it means to be in Christ. Right now, right where you are, would you just start that relationship, that conversation? Say, Jesus, I want to know you more. I want to know you more. I want to know you more. I want to experience you more. Oh, Holy Spirit, come. Let us experience you. Let us know you. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Right where you are, right where you stand, would you just simply open yourself up and say, and, and, and answer to yourself, I'm in Christ, but, but I don't know my place. I don't know my value. Maybe there's a barrier. Maybe there's a burden. Maybe there's a fear. Maybe there's a, 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 a stronghold. Maybe there's something in your life that somehow is, is tempting you or keeping you from stepping out in faith and serving the body, uniquely you. Would you right now just give that fear, open yourself up and give that fear to God? Place that fear upon the cross. Place that fear to death. Place that, 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 that stronghold, that thought, that insecurity. Would you just simply put it to death right now? And ask Jesus to wash you with his grace and his mercy. And today, would you receive the truth for your life? That you are God's grace. You are God's gift to the church because Christ is in you. Would you rely on him today? Oh, Jesus, we stand. Oh, Jesus, we pray. Oh, Jesus, we ask you to transform the, by the renewing of our minds, to make us one body, one of another parts for your glory and your kingdom. Would you teach us what it means to walk and trust and live by faith? Let us know that we belong with you, that we belong here. In Jesus' name, 
In Jesus' name, amen and amen.